My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. Hi, Corey, you right? I'm fab, fab. Great, great. I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. In this episode, we're talking to trainer to the masses, Corey Wharton Malcolm. My name is Corey Wharton Malcolm, or Bit Beefy. And Janine. Uh, so, my name is Janine Wilson, and I am Corey's little sister. We've always ventured into places where people don't expect us to be. So, these voices, like, they start off as like a survival technique. And then as the years pass and you grow up, you're like, oh, this is actually hilarious. Slight mocking of like, you're right, yeah, fine, okay. Mm." But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. For me, we definitely became friends as adults. I think I turned 30 and I think something clicked. I would probably sarcastically say I turned 30 and he was like, oh, okay, we can roll now. (laughs) <laughs> like we're, we're good now I think after my grand passed I know for definite I didn't deal with the grief as I should have done instead of like the loss of someone so important like pushing people together I think that more pushed us apart Brothers and sisters are never straightforward Corey, who goes by the name Beefy, no longer deserves that nickname after taking up running in his 20s and shedding the pounds. He now coaches millions of runners as Nike Run Club's head coach. Janine is a psychotherapist, but tends not to analyse Corey. I try to kind of steer clear of that because trying to get into that brain would probably be a lot of things. He's a somewhat reluctant role model who'll admit he's learning how to use the platform he's been given. We talk about that, about ideas of home, Black Lives Matter and really silly voices for really serious results. But Corey started by describing the family that he and Janine grew up in. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, like it was cool, it was fun. We were predominantly raised by my, well, our grandmother. My mum and uh, Janine's dad were about, so we have different dads. But we were predominantly raised by my gran. Like she did most of the cooking, the looking after, the picking up from school. But yeah, that was that was growing up. No one's ever really asked the question, but the word, you know, half brother or something like that would just never come out my mouth. It's never it's never ever felt like that. It's always been that unit, this is my brother, I'm his sister, and that's that. Like growing up, there weren't many people who even asked that question. The question was always, how come you call your mum by her first name and you call your grandmum? Yeah, half has never, ever been (laughs) on my radar. That like half to me represents a deficit. Yes. If you know, why do you want to be half of anything? I want the whole cake. (laughs) Because it feels like it takes away from the relationship, which for me, whatever it was at the time, was what it was supposed to be. And in its entirety, it was whole and complete. Yeah. Can you remember when Janine came along then? (laughs) Yes, I can. Myself and my gran were here, as in in the UK, and my mum and Janine's dad, they lived in Guyana, in South America, where my family are originally from. And then they returned, and my mum was pregnant with Janine, and then she had the baby. Wow. So for a little while, you lived without your mum? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not actually sure how long for, but yeah. That's tough. (laughs) Is it? Um, I think 
this this might sound like a weird statement, but I think it's only really tough if you know something else, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, so when Janine arrived, arrived, she arrived in utero and then she arrived in the world. What did yes. you make of that? Um, it was, I don't know. But it's obviously weird. Like, first of all, it's just you and your gran and you obviously talk to your mum on the phone and you know she's going to come back at some point. And then she returns and then you have a little sister out of nowhere. But it was nice in that you just kind of have this family, like there are more people to do stuff with. And I, I was reminding Corey the other day of a story of like, when I was younger, just wanting to people not necessarily to know that we didn't have the same surname or we didn't have the same dad. So I would like tell people that his name was Corey Wilson because I wanted to be so close to him. And what was your role in the family? You're obviously the big brother, but were you like the sporty one, the studious one, the nosy one, the clumsy one? What was your role? I was probably the... Yeah, I was probably the sporty, semi-loud one. Um, yeah. And what was she? What was she like when you were little? Janine was very much a grand's or a mummy's girl. Like both of us loved my grand, but my little sister wouldn't leave her side. I remember Janine being yeah quite quite quiet in comparison to me. Is she still quiet? No, 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 no. <laughs> Not at all. How do you think she'd describe you as a child and then as an adult? <laughs> um, um, how do I think she would describe me? I think she'd probably say I didn't really have much time for her as a kid, as in I was just off getting on with my life. I was like a typical brother, and that is, if you need me, I'm here, but if you don't, I'm, I'm off <laughs> um, kind of vibe. Yeah, actually, that's very fair. There's a what a six. There's a six year age gap, so I think that I was probably always that little sister that would be like, "Oh, he's so cool. He's you know driving around and he's rollerblading and he's got all these cool older friends." And then I think I probably felt a little bit like I want to be part of the cool group, <laughs> but probably, <laughs> probably felt a little bit like left out at times but definitely able to kind of give him a call or say to him oh can you do this or can we go here if it was needed and when did you become proper friends do you think is was it as children you've always been tight or was it as you became teenagers or is it as two adults kind of going through life that you properly see each other yeah I think it's as two adults because myself and Janine's lives have always been like really, really different, yet we have ended up in a similar place, if that makes sense. We both work with community and we both like looking after the needs of those that are less fortunate than ourselves. And I think that that connection has brought us closer and closer as the years have passed because you sort of realise that you're not actually that different. When my grand passed away, um, that was tough. I know for definite I didn't deal with the grief as I should have done. So I think that instead of like the loss of someone so important, like pushing people together, I think that more pushed us apart. What do you mean you didn't deal with it as you should have done? Um, as in like as a 
as a male, as a black male, especially, there's not really much for like grief or like crying or dealing with stuff, especially when you're supposed to be this like strong hero type character that looks after people and is strong for everybody else. So at the time I was, I guess, emotionally, well, a lot more emotionally immature than I am now. It was more a case of, I can't deal with this now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to compartmentalize. I'll put it in a little box. I'll deal with it whenever. And I guess over the years that box has eroded and you're kind of forced to deal with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then dealing with that stuff is what has, has brought us closer together. Corey said that he didn't grieve very well for his, for your gran when she died. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, it would have been nice if as a family unit we were able to grieve together. I think out of the two of us, I've always been the emotional one. So, or or should I say the externally emotional one? So I will cry, I will bawl, I will scream, I will shout. While completely I'm I'm aware that he's got his he does obviously have emotions, but I think he's more internal than anything. And still to this day, still there's times where I sit and I might still cry about things. But at least now I feel more able to maybe go to him and say, oh, I'm feeling a bit sad at the moment because of mummy's death and, and stuff like that. I asked Corey, um, when you became proper friends, whether you were always friends as kids or whether it happened as adults. I wonder what you would say to that. For me, we definitely became friends as adults. I would probably sarcastically say I turned 30 and he was like, oh, okay, we can roll now. <laughs> like, we're, we're good now. I started getting involved in, like, trying to run and trying to do more sporty stuff. So I think we bonded over that quite a bit. And then just I think what happens sometimes in families when you get older and you start having those conversations of, like, oh, yeah, what was it like when we were little? And, you know, speaking about our gran who we lost, I lost quite young, and obviously he was in his 20s, and us being very close to her, and kind of having those very adult discussions about the impact that had on us as a family unit. So things that would have probably been good to talk about when we were younger, but we didn't. And now being able to talk about it is great. And do you have relish now for those kinds of conversations? I mean, you're a psychotherapist. It must be your happy place. Do you kind of (laughs) love to dig into, ooh, what was going on? Like, tell me, tell me the emotions. You know what, to be fair, it's like I can imagine dentists don't like being asked about teeth on their day off. (laughs) I think it's probably similar where I will probably slip into those type of therapeutic conversations with Corey. Like we'll sit in the car for hours, we'll drive from A to B and then park up outside the house and then sit and just debate different stuff. And then it's like, okay, that was great. So, later. (laughs) (laughs) I get learnings. So even off off the back of this conversation, there's things where I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Let's have a chat about that. And where did it come from, Corey? Talk me through the journey from not runner to runner to somebody who has millions of people on on social media who makes his little sister so proud. Um, like I say to people, like quite frequently, it was it, it was this beautiful accident. I've lived in London my entire life. I'd never been to to see the London Marathon, but the marathon has always like inspired me. And then one day I went to go and watch it. It was the first time that I'd seen complete strangers cheer for complete strangers and they wanted nothing in return. 
And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'd love to to do that. So I kind of announced to people, I was like, right, I'll do this next year. And people laughed. And I was like, oh, okay. If I wasn't serious then, now I'm serious. <laughs> um, I went out on my first run. It was awful. Then my second. And um, as I mentioned before, my grand had passed away um, a couple of years before. And that like really started to help me not even deal with the grief. It just allowed me room or time or space to to work through that stuff so I just grew as a person I I actually started to share what I was going through with other people and then I started a blog because I was a beginner and I was really fat and like didn't really like myself that much I kind of I had a, a bigger view of running that say other people did at that particular point in time and this transformation I'm sure a lot of it was inside. Like you say, you learned a lot about yourself, a lot about your head, a lot about your body. You were grieving, you were pounding that out on the pavements. But Janine was there as well, obviously, watching from the sidelines. I don't know how much you knew was going on in his head and his heart as he was trying to run along and do this thing. Did you know, Janine? No, because definitely, as I was saying, like Corey was like the cool older brother. So I would never have thought in my head that he was not comfortable in the skin that he was in. That wouldn't cross my mind. The other thing, you were, when you were talking about the internal change, I know that I was just so excited and in awe of the external change. <laughs> so <there's, laughs> I just remember at the time just having that real pride in like, wow. Like, this is something that people talk about so often, you know, Weight Watchers, Slimming World, all these different things people talk about, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And this guy just woke up one day and said, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. So I was just sitting there like, okay, I see you. <laughs> Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When we get together as sisters, we often um, go into slightly camp German accents. <laughs> Is there something you do when um, you get together? Um... I don't think there's a thing, but I think that like slight mocking of like, you're right, yeah, hi, okay, mm, yeah. <laughs> because we've always ventured into places where people don't expect us to be. So these voices, like we've developed them over the years, they start off as like a survival technique. And then as the years pass and you grow up, you're like, oh, this is actually hilarious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean you ventured to places that people don't expect you to go? So, for example, I might walk into a situation as a psychotherapist and people see the name Janine Wilson on a sheet of paper. They don't necessarily expect to see a black woman with locks walk in. So I'm very aware that at times when I go in, I have to change my tone of voice to make sure that I'm understood. Really? 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So when did you learn that as children? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Like I learn it from especially my mum because my mum will go out to work and she will speak to people at work in a particular way. And then when she comes home and she's speaking to her friends, um, she'll speak in her Guyanese accent. Or if she's talking to her Jamaican friends, she'll speak in a Pato accent. Um, if she's speaking to her friends from the East End, she'll she'll talk in a Cockney accent. <laughs> and like we've been brought up in a household where that's the norm. Yeah. And it, it's not a question of like you're taking on like somebody else's way of being. It's more a case of you're born in London with a Caribbean family with a South American interest with English friends like you can't not pick up all of these things and then you carry that into work because you have to speak to the CEO but then you have to be able to relay that message to the young people so I still at times I still speak like (laughs) I did when I was 15 when I'm talking to young people because that's the the way you need to speak to get your message across as as quickly as possible. It sounds like a huge positive now. Was it always a positive or was it sometimes a strain? Um I think at times it was as it felt like a strain. I think now looking back, me calling it a strain is a bit like our oh, first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't necessarily speak directly like anybody in my school so I I knew that I would have had to put on a particular voice in order to speak to the teachers or I would probably have to change how I would speak if I was at home with my cousins or at home with you know family members than if I was going out on a trip with my school friends or something like that and it was always nice though when you were able to find that one friend yes (laughs) that one friend yeah, and you're like, oh, and actually she's my best friend till this day. <laughs> and we, you know, we kind of, we found each other in year seven. It was like, oh, so we can talk to each other properly in the common room. And then we can kind of leave, do what we need to do and come back and be like, oh, you know, be a bit more comfortable. So when you get together as siblings, is it like the pressure valve is kind of off and you can just <laughs> yeah make fun of it all? Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly what happens. It's the real, real so I could just walk in. I d- if I don't feel like smiling, I don't have to. If I don't feel like speaking in a certain way, I don't have to. It's just, yeah. Even I can go to the house. I don't even necessarily have to say words. <laughs> I can just, yeah, you're just present. Just present, just there. All right, I'm gone. All right, later. <laughs> just very, yeah, it's nice. So is that how you'd characterise your relationship now? It's like coming home. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's a really, yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. That's nice. Yeah. You both have sort of careers or things that you do in your lives that mean you have to be kind of on quite a mm-hmm. lot of the time, don't you? I mean, you said you're a psychotherapist, you you can't phone that in. And Corey, you're, you know, busy motivating millions of people to get off the sofa <laughs> and move their butts. So I guess you give out quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you are, You def- yeah, agreed. You are giving out quite a lot in different ways. And I think that's something that when I look and I'm like, Corey's doing a lot. <laughs> Sometimes like I just scroll through, just taking a casual scroll through social media 
And I'm like, he really is, like you said, motivating millions. So there's, you know, sometimes I sit and I think to myself, oh, it's my brother, that. <laughs> I just want people to see, oh, okay, he's being himself and he has somehow managed to be successful. Maybe I should be what I want to be and, and like try something different instead of trying to fit a mould that may not necessarily be for you. That probably trickled down to me because there's even mm. times where I'm like, say to my mum, I'm like, was I never bad? And she obviously, with any teenager, child, whatever, there's going to be times when they aren't necessarily doing what they're supposed to do. But I do definitely think I looked up and I was like, actually, Corey's got a work ethic. And I think that was a really good model then for me coming up to be like, OK, well, equally, I don't want to I don't want to upset the apple cart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to be the one that goes out and does things and brings police to the door. and da, 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 da. So it definitely was a model, which was nice. And there was never like a pressure of like, you must be a doctor, you must be a lawyer, you must be an architect, blah, blah, blah. It was just whatever you want to do. Be the best at it. I don't care what it is that you do as long as you enjoy it. You give your 100%. And police don't ever knock on this door. Like, those were the rules. That was it. And I think that that's a really supportive model that I think definitely was was there for both of us. Did you know you were a role model then, Corey, to her? <laughs> no. <laughs> I most definitely did not. I think it's the role model by default, almost. <laughs> Recently, I saw that you'd got involved in Black Lives Matter, leading some runs around neighbourhoods, but also being vocal on it. And I wonder if both of you, how both of you kind of feel and felt about that and how your work has kind of skirted around that or been directly involved with it and how that fits into your plan about leaving the world a better place. Um, I think that I'm definitely one of those people that's very vocal on social media about Black Lives Matter this time, you know, because we know Black Lives Matter did not begin in 2020. <laughs> no, George Floyd was not the first. And I was probably, you know, kind of sitting back thinking, oh, is Corey going to say anything? Oh, is he going <laughs> to... Just like we spoke about, you have to think about what you say when you walk mm -hmm. in different spaces. Waking up on a daily basis and having to decide which Janine I'm going to show the world today is tiring. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was probably, you know, I was probably sitting back thinking, all right, how, how, how's Corey as a black man in the social media world going to show that this is an issue that he wants to talk about? Well, it just made me think, like, you talked to us about the sorts of schools you went to and, you know, the sort of way that you presented yourself as kids. And I wonder if race is a thing kind of threading through the idea of comfort and home and solidarity and whatever family looks like, it's kind of together with a particular identity. I don't know if I'm making something of nothing, but it seems like that's a thing. And then perhaps when the most recent iteration of Black Lives Matter happened, that was another way that you could be together on something. No, I, I was actually going to say that it's definitely brought me and Janine closer together and it's definitely brought myself and many of my friends together and it's brought me closer to like just black people as a whole and then after that people as a whole and the reason why I'm separating those two is because this is the first time um, probably in both of our lifetimes where we have 
had to think so publicly about our blackness mm. um the sort of conversations that we now have on social media or the sort of conversations that we have on zoom calls or wherever it is like those conversations have been happening since we were born but in our own homes or as janine said with our close friends who kind of get it who kind of understand and going back to to janine's point about like how i guess how i i spoke about things on social media um I spoke to to Janine about it. I spoke to close friends about it. And I worded the things the way that I did. And I spoke about the things the way that I did because I felt they needed to be said. But what was really, really surprising is how surprised people were because many people thought that because of what I did or because of where I went or because where I sit in the world right now, that I don't experience racism anymore or people don't see my colour. They see Coach Corey. They don't don't see Coach Corey as this black dude. Um, When you do, everyone does. Like, it's it's tough. And I was going to say, it's kind of like that crossroad. You know, you get to a crossroad and you make a decision. You go left, you go right, you go straight, whatever. So, for example, a lot of people, you know, when John Boyega spoke out about things and, you know, kind of said, I may not have a job tomorrow. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, people may not want to hire me anymore. And I think that those are real decisions that people make when they decide to speak out. You would hope that that isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you get the blue tick, when you, you know, <laughs> you know when, you start, when you start representing certain things, I'm sure I can imagine this is me completely projecting, but I can imagine that there's even more of a onus on you to have to be kind of thinking to yourself, boy, if I say X, yeah, what impact is that going to have on Y? Yes. It's a real shame that we're still in a place where we do have to think that way. But I just, I am very proud of how you navigated that and still ensured that your voice was heard on a really, really important matter. Thank you, Jimmy. That's all right, love. <laughs> and I suppose as well, using running, it's like the ultimate democratic sport, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing else that's open to ev- anyone, everyone, all of us. And I suppose in a way, it's quite hard to object to somebody that's, encouraging that if you see what I mean it's not a contentious position that you speak from in in some ways yes a very inclusive position and a very encouraging role that you have yes um and that is actually something that we've been discussing a lot about and that is getting more people such as myself and Janine into running because it is supposed to be this democratic sport but people still don't feel like completely welcome in all walks of running life. Um, And it's something that we've been speaking about, yeah, a lot, especially over the past couple of months. So this is your mission? Um, Yeah. Can you remember what music you guys used to have in the car? (laughs) We were talking about this earlier. Berries Hammond, yeah. a little bit of soca, cent, five cent, ten cent, dollar. Or feeling hot, hot, hot if you want to go really old school. I don't remember hearing feeling hot, hot, hot. What? When Lynn used to have the parties at 151B Vena Road? Yes. But yeah, man, all of that used to be playing. People winding up, winding up in the room, boy. Those parties were wonderful. I've got a picture of me with the the hot iron quiff yeah. in some jodhpurs <laughs> eating a jammy dodger. 
my best life. Yeah, boy. Thank you to Corey and to Janine. Thank you too to Tanita Tickerham, who let us use this amazing song. Sound design is by Nick Carter at Mix Sonics and digital production by Charlotte Griffiths. Next week, in an episode which could be called Double Trouble, it's the chef Tom Aikins and his twin Rob who talk about being naughty as boys and being naughty as adults in a life together and now apart. Thank you too for listening. If you want to see some really sweet photos of Corey and Janine when they were much, much smaller, head to relativelypodcast.com. of love and hate Stand by the fireside Now the rain may fall Your father's calling you You still feel safe inside Only your ma's too proud Your brother's ignoring you You still feel safe inside Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday?